if we want to understand religion, we need to have empathy for our subjects. I think as a historian more broadly, I think really trying to understand where people are coming from, even if we might not agree with them, is a really critical first step. Because what it does is it allows you to engage with the people you're studying on their own terms. You can try and understand what did Christian science do for Laura Lathrop? What did it mean to her? How did it shape her experiences, her relationships, and really deeply understand what it meant for her every day to be a Christian scientist? That's Professor Eva Payne of the University of Mississippi on the importance of empathy in religious scholarship and how she applied a critically empathetic approach in her master's thesis at the Harvard Divinity School on Laura Lathrop, an important figure in the early history of the Christian Science Church. Welcome to Seekers and Scholars, a podcast found at the intersection of spiritual quest and scholarly inquiry and coming to you from the Mary Baker D. Library in Boston and online at mbelibrary.org. I'm Jonathan Eder, Programs Manager at the Library, and I had the pleasure of sitting down with Dr. Payne to discuss her research on Laura Lathrop, much of which was conducted at the Mary Baker D. Library. We looked at what it meant to her as a historian and religious scholar around the question of women in religious leadership. I began by asking Eva how it was that she decided to focus on the life and career of Laura Lathrop for her master's degree. So I came to Laura Lathrop in some ways because she was so different than a lot of the women who were Christian scientists who had been written about. There's lots of scholarship on Eddie. There's a lot of scholarship on women who sort of spectacularly left the church or Mm -hmm. were excommunicated. But I really couldn't find much on all of the people, sort of the majority of people, who stayed in the church for their entire lives. And Lathrop was one of those women. She was really an important figure in the church. She was a Christian science practitioner. Eddie sent her to New York to plant and grow a branch church there. Mm -hmm. And she, of course, had conflicts with others. New York was a sort of hotbed of conflict, but instead of breaking with the church, she found ways to integrate her own ideas and her own experiences of Christian science with the theology that Eddie proclaimed and was able to happily and joyfully stay in the church for her whole life. So you're saying that New York was a hotbed of conflict (laughs) and difficulty. I actually came across Lathrop's name for the first time in a dissertation that was written about a woman named Augusta Stetson, who Mm -hmm. became very famous also for starting a branch church in New York in the 1880s. Stetson was, I think, a very ambitious woman who, in fact, you know, I think tried to buy a piece of property out from under Lathrop and her church. Mm in order to start her own bigger, better church. And so there was a lot of conflict over whose church was better, whose church was bigger, who's, who was in charge. And it's been written about that way. Mm-hmm. But I also think another way of looking at it is there were sort of theological differences between the women. Someone like Augusta Stetson was really interested in being a leader, being famous, And someone like Lathrop was really interested, certainly in being a leader, but the way she wanted to do it was through a kind of egalitarian mode, through compromise, through getting along with the other Christian scientists in the area, 
through having conversations with the people in the congregations, and always through making sure she wasn't in conflict with what Eddie wanted. Whereas I think some women like Stetson came into conflict with Eddie all the time and really had struggles over power and authority, and that just wasn't Lathrop's way. I've had the uh, opportunity and pleasure to read your thesis that came out of your work here. And one of the ideas in it that was very intriguing to me that I think relates to this whole idea of empathy and religious scholarship was how someone like Laura Lathrop presented a new model of what leadership can mean. And that's, that's a subject that's very important to us here at the Mary Baker Library, the theme of women in religious leadership. You have this towering figure of Mary Baker Eddy, and as you, as you speak um, about other people who at various times had a certain amount of notoriety, but Laura Lathrop is different. She is different, and again, because she, she stayed in the movement. And what I do want to emphasize is that's not unusual. Mm-hmm. That's just unusual in terms of who got the publicity or who scholars have written about. But I think it's actually pretty ordinary that people were attracted to the church and, and stayed in the church. And I actually root her egalitarian understanding and practice of Christian science in Christian science healing itself mm-hmm. as an approach where the practitioner and the person who's receiving the healing are working together to come to kind of theological understanding of what's going on, that they're, they're in this process together. In fact, Mary Baker Eddy had actually asked Laura Lathrop to go and plant a church in New York City. And at first, Lathrop said, thank you. That, that makes me feel amazing. I want to focus on healing right now. That's, that's where, I, where I'm at. I want to have these intimate experiences with people and work as a healer. That's my calling right now. I'm happy to do that. And I'll, I'll, you know, she did start a branch church. But that mode of really being with people was crucial to her leadership And she also inspired so many other people. Her letters are just full of correspondence with people where she's always saying, you can do it. You can go spread Christian science in Europe. You can heal yourself. You you can be a leader yourself in your own way. And so part of what this is doing is actually thinking about leadership in a different way. Leadership isn't necessarily rising to the top, striking out on your own, doing something different. How I see her as a leader is— leading within the existing structure of the church. She didn't want to challenge the doctrine of Eddie's role as founder. That, to her, was important doctrine uh, in the church. But the, the one thing I do see her challenging is some of the kind of hierarchical and bureaucratic structures of the church, because I, I do think she she was less interested in the bureaucracy, which every organization has to have, and again, really focused on these intimate relationships with the people in the church. So you were talking about her and healing. What was her own experience of Christian science and and healing? So Lathrop was actually raised a Methodist. She was married. She had two children, but was always sort of sickly. And then in 1883, her husband died suddenly after a financial crisis, leaving her with two children alone, sick, with no way of supporting herself. And she had sort of tried everything, and finally she decided to travel the 125 miles from where she was living in Freeport, Illinois, to Chicago to seek the help of a Christian science practitioner. And over a period of six months, 
uh, working with a student uh, who, had, who had trained with Eddie, she was healed and relieved of the suffering she'd been experiencing for so long and, and then able to care for her children, which was so important to her. Mm. And so a few years later, despite financial difficulties, she left her children with some family and traveled to Boston to enroll in a course with Eddie. And through that, became a practitioner and was able to then take her children to New York and to live with them and to earn her living to support them and then to also heal others. It was a really personal experience for her where she saw it transform her life, not just in terms, and she says this, it's not just about her health. It's not just the kind of physical nature of her. She went from a person with no confidence who didn't feel like she could do anything to a person who was supporting on her own two children, to a person who healed others, to a person who could speak in front of groups and inspire others with her faith. There's a, a wonderful moment in your paper where you talk about how she almost kind of charms the the press and, <laughs> and, and politicians in New York City. In 1899, the uh, New York State legislature, there was a bill introduced that sought to regulate Christian science practitioners and kind of lumped them in with a whole range of mind cure, faith cure, mesmerism. And Lathrop really spoke out against this bill. The New York Times, which was a paper that often really lampooned and caricatured Christian scientists, wrote about her speech against the bill in a really favorable light. They wrote, quote, Mrs. Laura Lathrop, first reader of the Christian Science Church here, took the platform. She was handsomely dressed. Her hair was perfectly white and her complexion ruddy. She began by saying that she loved the doctors. She had been under their care 23 years and knew it was not their fault that they could not cure her, for they did not know how. And then in parentheses, it says laughter. She had proved her goodwill by curing many of them. And it says laughter again. <laughs> so there's something about, again, about Lathrop's living of her faith, her testimony of her faith, that people outside of Christian science found compelling. Mm. So as you got to know her and got to know this history how did this concept of empathy inform how you approached your work, your scholarship? So the term I use is critical empathy, and okay. that comes out of the work of uh, a scholar named Marie Griffith, mm -hmm. who wrote a book called God's Daughters. In it, she does an ethnographic study of a conservative evangelical women's prayer group she wants to engage deeply with the women, where they're at, how they understand themselves, uh, mm -hmm. to really get inside of what's happening. And at the same time, there's a distance. She's a scholar, so she's going to analyze it in a way that might not resonate with the women themselves. I find that a really important mode of scholarship because what it does is it allows you to engage with the people you're studying on their own terms. You can try and understand what did Christian science do for Laura Lathrop? What did it mean to her? How did it shape her experiences, her relationships, her experience of her own body, her experience of the world around her, and really deeply understand what it meant for her every day to be a Christian scientist? If we want to understand religion, we need to have empathy for 
our subjects. I think as a historian more broadly, I think really trying to understand where people are coming from, even if we might not agree with them. And then there's the other piece, the critical piece, which is, again, saying, okay, how did she understand it? And then stepping back and saying, all right, as a historian who situates things kind of broader field, how do I understand it? So, for example, her testimony of how she was healed— As someone being empathetic, I really want to understand the texture of that and how it affected her daily life. And then as the critical historian part of me, I want to say, well, let's situate that more broadly. So in the late 19th and early 20th centuries, there were a number of movements that really sought to reconcile science and medicine and religion. So we can see the ways that she is actually shaped by these broader historical forces and narratives, and that's the critical part. But at the same time, we also want to understand, okay, but what did that mean to her? Mm -hmm. So working on this paper involved looking at this moment in Christian science history with Laura Lathrop, but it also meant that you had to interact uh, with the experience of Christian science today in terms of doing your due diligence mm-hmm. about what you were going to represent in your paper. And I'd, I'd just love to hear a little bit about what that experience involved for you. I'm definitely someone who thinks that the act of scholarship needs to be done in community. If you're writing about something that you have one perspective on, you should show it to someone who has a different perspective on it because that's only going to make your scholarship stronger. And I definitely took that approach with this paper There was a woman in a workshop I attended who was a Christian scientist and also was getting her PhD. And so I asked her, and she generously offered to read this paper for me. And her perspective on it was very different. For example, a part where I discuss how Lathrop really experienced quite a bit of pain in her relationship with her son. Her son was made a first or second reader, I believe, along with her at her church in New York, and then Eddie asked him to step down. And that was really painful for her as a mother who, in some ways, you know, was really proud of her son, really wanted him to have this position. But at the same time, she had to assimilate that to, well, that's maybe not what's best for him, and that's not what Eddie is asking for, and that's not what the religion needs. So finding ways to reconcile motherly pride with something she knew in some ways more deeply, which was that that wasn't what was right for him or what was right for the church. And she, Eddie also called for her son often to come to Boston to, to help her out. And that was those separations were really painful for Lathrop as well. But again, there was one part of her that felt a lot of hurt, and there was another part of her that understood that there was a purpose to it. And so I really do highlight the dual struggle and— The person reading it was concerned that it came across as, your Christian sciences encourages you to not care about your children. And of course, that's not in (laughs) any way what I meant. But I do think that for me as a historian reading her papers, I saw a real tension in her between what she deeply knew was the religiously and spiritually right thing to do and what these other kind of human emotions were that she was experiencing were telling her. And so as a scholar, I want to play up those tensions, but I really appreciated what, again, this insider perspective gave me so that I could temper it and make sure that it was clear that that she loved her son and that Eddie did not want her to not love her son. Right. But there are other places, for sure, where having an insider's perspective 
helped me with especially some lines in Lathrop's letters. And this insider could say, oh, that comes from this Bible verse or that comes from this text. Mm-hmm. And that would allow me to develop whole new layers of meaning in how I how I understood that correspondence. And that's something that, that was really invaluable and that I couldn't have gotten otherwise without engaging with someone who knew the material deeply. You want a community or a person to be able to see something of themselves and their truth in what you write. You want them to be able to recognize themselves, but they don't have to necessarily agree with it. Researching Laura Lathrop, how did she become alive to you? And um, did she make a difference to you as a scholar and, and to you as a person? I think she became alive to me in some ways because the Mary Baker Eddy Library has such a rich collection about her that you can see her correspondence with Eddie, and you can see over the years these changes in her and how she presents herself and how she says she's feeling in the kind of work she's doing. So having a rich archive really does allow you to see this transformation. And in terms of me as a scholar, I think this was probably one of the first deeply archival historical projects that I've ever done. And I I had initially, when I started my master's, thought, meh, history's boring. I want to do sort of contemporary ethnographic work. I'm really interested in people, but I want to have this kind of access to them. And I think doing this project helped me see, oh, you can do that as a historian. You can really deeply engage with people through archives. And then really seeing that in writing about her, I had something to offer. I could say, if we don't look at the kind of person like Lathrop, someone who stays in the religion, someone who finds it meaningful for her whole life and is able to lead in it, but also lead from within, we miss mm. a huge part of what Christian science was and is. And that that was a really great feeling to yeah. sort of feel like I was this you know, budding historian. Oh, that's great. It was great to speak with Dr. Eva Payne about her work on Laura Lathrop and how, as a historian, she brings a critically empathetic approach to scholarly inquiry. Please join us for our next podcast, Breaking Through Britain's Political Ceiling, Christian Science and Women Trailblazers in the House of Commons. One of our guests will be Robin Harrigan, In her article, Impact of Christian Science on Political Women in the Early 20th Century in the United Kingdom, she writes, out of the first 30 female members of parliament in the UK in the early 20th century, three of them were Christian scientists. We'll learn about their commitment to serving the public good as three of Britain's first elected female MPs. This podcast is produced by the Mary Baker Eddy Library. Copyright 2018.